0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios in atlanta georgia it's time for midtown business radio
1: Hey, everyone. It's C.W. Hall. And on this week's Midtown Business Radio Show, we focused on logistics. I had a guest co-host, Bo Wilkins of Sound River Advisors, with me in studio. Bo and his partners help privately held companies develop effective compensation packages for their high-value key executives, while at the same time making sure the company's ownership structure stays intact. Bo brought with him three experts from the field of logistics. Michael Gregory is a partner with the highly regarded Arnold Golden, and Gregory Law Firm, with over 150 attorneys and offices in in Atlanta and D.C. The firm provides a full spectrum of corporate law expertise for the business community. And one of Michael's areas of focus is on the logistics industry. Paige Siplon is a founder and CEO of Team One Logistics. They're a workforce management company that provides logistics businesses with the ability to focus on their core business, moving and storing freight. Team One's outsourced workforce service allows their clients to minimize exposure to costs associated with the human component of the business, such as benefits and risks, such as workers' compensation claims. Additionally, Team One is able to leverage their large workforce of over 800 employees to help growing companies get access to the drivers and operators they need for their business to function. And Enrique Alvarez is a managing partner with Vector Global Logistics. They're a third-party logistics non-vessel operator that uses a consultative approach for their clients who need to ship goods and services in the U.S. and abroad. Vector Global Logistics has saved their clients time and millions of dollars by continually seeking to better understand their business with the goal of making sure that all shipping modes and routes are the most time and cost efficient. Check out Paige, Michael, and Enrique talking about the important role logistics plays in our everyday lives and the impact it has on our
0: economy. Uh, everything revolves around getting a product to a customer in one same shape or form. Even us as consumers, we're impacted by it. You know, the costs of logistics are... are st- Are growing, and uh, we're impacted by that and the the price of milk at our local grocery store. So I think everybody's impacted by logistics. Just many people don't really realize it as much. Yeah, every single day. Yeah, every day. And so many different people. It's also a very people-grown industry, and all three of us sort of are impacted by the the people side of the business as well.
2: Yeah, I heard uh, CWA... Statistic recently that's pretty powerful. One out of every six employees in the United States somehow touches the logistics industry from a professional perspective.
1: In what In what capacity?
2: They either work for a trucking firm, a 3PL. Right. They work inside a corporation, are responsible for logistics.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, it- And here in Georgia, a few statistics that, you know, Janine Center will will elaborate on more, I'm sure, and and does a lot of this research, but uh, about 150,000 people are directly involved in that logistics industry here in the state of Georgia alone. You know, some 12,000 different companies wake up every day to make a dollar off providing a logistics service. That didn't even factor into the big companies like Home Depot. Uh, large large corporations that are what I call logistics enabled uh, people that rely on that logistics service to really make a dollar Um, and they're it's growing in more and more every day
3: and uh, logistics is one of those industries as well that it's very resilient it's very uh, it's always been here and it'll continue to be here for for many many years it's actually as technology continues to grow technology is just fueling logistics even more and the world's getting smaller as we all know about and so Logistics is going to just continue to be one of those very key components in our uh, industries.
1: Stick around. we got the full interview with Michael, Page, and Enrique coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Pleased to have you with us today. Joined in the studio by uh, a fellow you may have heard if you've listened to us before. I've got uh, Bo Wilkins of Sound River Advisors. He joined us in the studio a couple of times talking about some of the things that they do for the privately owned businesses around the community, helping them uh, do some transition planning and, uh, more importantly, for some of those companies being able to uh, have great compensation plans for key employees, keeping them uh, part of the business, helping it grow, uh, while uh, also at the same time being able to retain ownership of their Hard-earned, um, family-owned business. So, uh, Bo, it's a pleasure to have you back in the studio, man.
4: Thanks, CW. Great to be here, and as, a, as always,
1: you brought a couple of people with you today.
4: I did. You want to? You want to go around and introduce us to uh, to the folks? Absolutely. Uh, at Sound River Advisors, my firm, does a good bit of work in the logistics and transportation space, and uh, which is one that is huge to the economy and continuing to grow and three people that I was lucky to get here who are very busy that also uh, play in the logistics space in a very big way. First, Michael Golden of Arnold, Golden & Gregory, uh, who co-leads the logistics, the global logistics practice at Arnold, Golden & Gregory. Paige Siplon at Team One Logistics, the CEO, uh, is not only the leader there, but I'll let him explain how he's been a uh, previous leader in the state relative to logistics, and Enrique Alvarez of Vector Global Logistics, previously a very important consultant that saw this business growing, this industry growing some five, six years ago, and started his own firm with, uh, I believe, one partner. Correct. Yep. And they have had massive growth and uh, are growing globally. Uh, and so we've – and the interesting thing about the three of these guys is that they – they touch the space. They come at it from three different angles. So I think it's going to be, it'll be great for the listener today from that perspective. Uh, that will cover a lot of logistics with these three guys. So I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, we were we were fortunate to have your successor, Paige, right. in the studio uh, not too long ago. Janine Miller over there at the uh, Center for Innovation and Logistics for the State Economic uh, Development.
0: That's right. Yeah, the Department yeah. of Economic Development. Yep, yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a uh, it was interesting to. At least begin to scratch the surface on logistics, and one of the things that she said to me, and I'm sure you all will nod your heads when I when I talk about it, is that when logistics is doing its thing very well, we don't really notice
0: it. That's right. It's like the dial tone on the phone, right? It's like the dial tone on yeah. your phone.
1: Yeah. And um and so uh, let's let's kind of get into your your individuals, you know, how you face the space of logistics and and tackle it from a from you're your given expertise because we've got legal um, expert here that, uh, that kind of faces the space you work on the workforce management side and then we've got folks that uh, work from the actual kind of execution if you will from the third party perspective so I'm looking forward to hearing how each of you do your thing
0: Great. but Yeah. So I mean, logistics is a huge industry. You mentioned Janine Miller. It, it's uh, certainly, she's done an incredible job taking the, the realm at uh, the Georgia Center of Innovation for Logistics. That's a role that I served. I, I started that center uh, about a decade ago. Um, with recognition, I think it fits into the conversation we're having today about how important logistics is to all sorts of businesses. Uh, so it doesn't really matter who your listeners are out there. I think, and if you think about it, uh, everything revolves around getting a product to a customer in one same Shape or form uh, even us as consumers we're impacted by it you know the costs of logistics are 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 growing and uh, we're impacted by that and the the price of milk at our local grocery store so I think everybody's impacted by logistics just many people don't really realize it as much yeah, as every maybe single they do. day yeah, every day yeah. yeah and so many different people it's yeah. also a very people grown industry and all three of us sort of are impacted by the the people side of the business as well
2: yeah I heard uh cW statistic recently that's pretty powerful one out of every six employees in the united states somehow touches the logistics industry from a professional perspective
1: in what in what capacity
2: they either work for a trucking firm a 3pl right. they work inside a corporation and are responsible for logistics
0: yeah it's uh, it- and here in that Georgia, sense, a few yeah. statistics that you know Janine Center will, will elaborate on more, I'm sure, and, and does a lot of this research. But uh, about 150,000 people are directly involved in that logistics industry here in the state of Georgia alone. You know, some 12,000 different companies wake up every day to make a dollar off providing a logistics service. That doesn't even factor into the big companies like Home Depot, uh, large large corporations that are what I call logistics enabled. Uh, people that rely on that logistics service to really make a dollar. Um, uh, and they're, it's growing in more and more every day.
3: And uh, logistics is one of those industries as well that it's very resilient. It's very, uh, it's always been here and it'll continue to be here for, for many, many years. It's actually as technology continues to grow, technology is just fueling logistics even more. And the world's getting smaller as we all know about. And so logistics is going to just continue to become or to continue to be one of those very key components in our uh, industries.
1: I, I think it's amazing that you can buy a piece of bubble gum for two or three, four cents. And it's had to have been packaged and shipped possibly by a couple of different types of methods, sometimes boat, sometimes truck, train, you name it. And, and they're able to do that and get it to you and still keep it just a few pennies. It's, it's And everybody has to make scary. money along the way. That's right. That's yeah. what's so crazy about it to me. And so – as it relates to the, the the human side of things and the workforce side of things Paige talk talk about where where your company kind of fits into that because obviously that's uh, we, we can talk uh, with uh, Enrique here in a moment about kind of the, the, the boots on the ground if you will sure. the, the where it's the middle side. you know sure. the where the where the metal hits the rail if, if you will but uh, yeah. somebody's got to be driving those Trucks and, and uh, the, the trains and so forth. So exactly. talk about that piece because that seems like that's where you fit in.
0: Yeah. So Team One Logistics is a, is a workforce management company. Uh, we design, manage, and integrate workforce solutions for the logistics industry. Uh, companies, as I mentioned before, that are either enabled by logistics or companies like UPS on the freight side that are really uh, logistics companies themselves. 3PLs uh, like Enrique's company. Um, so we, we our focus and expertise is on that logistics industry, to say that word a bunch, uh, and also on the workforce side. Uh, it's becoming more and more complicated. Uh, if we add in things like in Michael's realm, uh, the uh, Affordable Care Act compliance, federal regulations, uh, insurance rates are what they are, unemployment is what it is. There's a lot of different federal aspects to, that, are, that are troubling businesses as they're trying to grow and compete in today's, in today's economy. And logistics is a big part of that. Uh, you know, if you think back on the manufacturing side, Uh, manufacturers, uh, the focus that they have is on making products, right? Um, Over the years, manufacturing has gotten more complicated, so they've carved off this idea that they've still got to get that product to a customer, right? That end product still has to get into the hands of of a consumer or their customer, whoever that might be. So they've carved off this logistics piece so they could focus more on being better manufacturers. Pretty logical. That carved-off piece of business, we call that the third-party logistics business. And, and not to put words in Enrique's mouth, but that's what the 3PL industry really okay. is. But at the end of the day, those that logistics industry, the 3PL industry, um, has gotten complicated as well. And like you said, CW, there's still people behind those wheels of the truck. Uh, they've a lot of those companies have carved off the workforce piece because it's gotten more complicated, and that's what we do. We provide that focused logistics expertise um, to companies that again are enabled by logistics uh, all over the United States. So we have about we have about 850 employees across the country.
1: So what's the what's the picture of your typical client look like? Is it is it heavily in Is it trucking companies and, sure. um, and the, the UPS, the FedExes of the world? Or, I mean, are there some places out there where they may actually be somebody that needs you, but they don't yet know it?
0: Sure. Yeah. We run into companies all the time that are, that are pretty amazed. They didn't even know that they could do, uh, use a service like ours. Right. Uh, the minimum is really companies that have some sort of logistics asset. That's really where we come into play. We think of ourselves and our tagline is we're a logistics workforce partner. Uh, so we want to partner and our customers that partner with us have some sort of logistics asset. What I mean by that is they have a truck, they have a warehouse, they have some sort of physical asset that's providing that logistics uh, execution like Enrique does. Um, but so when we partner, we bring the, so the UPSs of the world, they bring the truck, they bring the, the technology perhaps, they bring the warehouse we bring the people, and having safe, qualified people to fill those seats, to work in those environments uh, is difficult. It's difficult to find them, and it's even more difficult to retain them, and that's what we specialize in.
1: And when we're talking about the business-to-business world of solutions, I mean, we're either wanting to drive revenue up mm-hmm. or and or, if, if we can do it both at the same time, fantastic, but or, create efficiency so that more of that revenue falls to the bottom line. Sure. So where's that win with your solution for that business out there, they've got those, they've got those assets that you talked about. I've got the trucks, I've got the sure. the the freight um, storage kind of facilities, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, the distribution well, centers. Yeah, where yeah, do I win um, when I link up with you?
0: Well, I think companies that are growing um, or that are fragmented and complex, we fit that model even better, right? Because if you're growing. In the logistics side of the business, it means you're going to need some more people, right? It means you're going to have to go buy some more trucks. You're going to need people to, to fill those seats. And, and, again, that's what we do is provide those safe, qualified people. We take on all the risk and liability. That's part of our partnership model, not to get into too much detail. Um, so if they're growing, that's the top line. We can help them. Uh, capture that new piece of business. And then also the, the the scale and the focus that we put into place with 850 employees around the country, uh, we provide economies of scale that also help drive down the costs on the other side, uh, just from the cost of what the services we provide, um, plus also the risk and liability that we take on as part of that partnership is a significant cost to yeah, the all sorts of
1: comp exposure, I'm sure is huge in that space.
0: Yeah, as an example, if on um, the workman's comp side, and Michael can speak to this more, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, if that if that employee falls and breaks his leg in a, in a facility uh, with one of our partners, that's my problem. That's Team One Logistics' problem. We take on that risk. We take on legal liabilities. We take on all that cost. Um, if that person uh, files some sort of claim against the company, that's my problem. So it allows the customer to really focus on what they're really doing as a business and allows us to come in as that focus expert and be trusted with that workforce side of the business.
3: Uh, and I, guess, yeah. sorry, I guess one of the other things that I would uh, add to what you just said, Paige, is that um, People is the main thing. So it's not only just about taking the risk off the table. It's not only about just providing the people, but it's actually about providing good people. And I think that getting good people, especially in logistics as well as uh, in other industries probably, it's just getting harder and harder. Finding good people is hard. And so working with a company like Team One Logistics, I think it actually provides an extra benefit to anyone that's uh, working with them because – as us as third-party logistic companies, we're the ones coordinating, we're the ones coming with the strategy. But at the end of the day, you still need a truck driver, reliable truck driver that gets there at 8 in the morning without actually having to come up with these different excuses for not being there on time. So I think uh, providing uh, quality people it's actually key, and I think that you guys do a really good job at that.
2: And, there, and there's one other aspect that we haven't directly touched on, which is helping a business owner – who's a manufacturer, distributor, um, manage his business and be empowered to make better decisions. Right. And you say, well, what does that mean? Many distribution businesses are relatively low margin businesses and they can't afford to invest in the technology that helps them manage uh, their worker costs, such as overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, Many businesses, the worker is still punching a time clock the the employer doesn't know until the end of the month or the end of the pay period what they owe that worker because that worker may have had to work six hours of overtime. Yeah. And in a low-margin business mm-hmm. at the federally mandated time and a half, yeah. that could eat up all your margin. Companies like Page, who, because they are singularly, like Pages, who Focus, are, which yeah. are singularly focused on workforce management, have invested in the technology. Right. So, uh, so a business owner can say, look, we, we don't want to incur any overtime costs so Page can manage his much larger variable workforce so that there are no overtime costs.
0: Yeah, I just add to that, Michael. It's a great, it's a great point, and thank you for your, for your comments. You know, one of those things that we, when we sit down with a customer or a potential customer, is you know we're walking through what their business is. They're talking through some of their challenges. A the topic that comes up more and more is uh, the the world of workman's comp, um, the legal side of the Affordable Care Act and compliance. There's a lot of legal aspects that we that we that we put into practice with our technology and our services, and that focus and expertise on the logistics workforce. Unfortunately, involves a lot of these growing and more complicated. And from a penalty point of view, very expensive regulations that are becoming a a real mainstay in in business today, and logistics is no exception. But Michael's firm does an incredible job. With that focus on logistics, global logistics, uh, does a great job in helping guide us and and other companies like them.
2: Let me mention one thing about the Affordable Care Act. We've been hearing about it for several years. Most businesses in America are small businesses compared to the Fortune 500, so they have 100 employees or less. Right. So although we've been talking about the Affordable Care Act for years, the employer mandate and the requirement to provide affordable health care hasn't really touched the bulk of America enterprise. We have yet. to get past it, the election for that to happen. Right, and it's coming. At least.
0: Yeah. And well, January 1st, 2016 is <laughs> yeah. the first milestone. That's yeah.
2: right. Yeah. And based on the conversations we're having with businesses in those sizes, They don't understand the nuance and complexity. If you can turn your employees over or put them on page's payroll, you can avoid having to deal with that. You can avoid paying an HR director, you know, a a very high salary to manage that.
1: So then would team one kind of be in that space of like a PEO, kind of a professional employer organization where you're spreading risk and, and, so forth across a larger so you're able to get better like health health insurance sure. for example from mm-hmm. health insurance rates for example for your employees they get a more robust package for a lower cost for mm-hmm. you as a enterprise, and yet and you're able to because the human side of the business is what you focus on. Right, you're able to interface with the truck drivers and the the forklift operators and whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, so that they are that much more clued into safe procedures, for example. And is that sure. is that on track with what I'm? What yeah, yeah it's a
0: great about? point, C.W. I mean the the two words that come up um, in our world of of, uh, of human capital, uh, human infrastructure—lots of different words you can you can use. Uh, the word staffing and the word PEO, or professional employment organization—and uh, we certainly do a lot of the same things that uh, most would think, laymen and the listeners out there uh, would think about. What a staffing company it provide provides people. Um, I would say the models are quite different. You know, if you think about—and uh, and without getting too complicated over the radio here—you know, the, the Affordable Care Act, things like co-employment. Uh, th- that shared risk um, isn't the ideal solution if you're if you're trying to bring into. Uh, to mix, into the mix, an Affordable Care Act or a workman's comp. Somebody needs to own that responsibility. PEOs um, at Nature, and there's there's different uh, types of PEOs out there, but in general, PEOs have a co-employment model. And that co-employment model means that there's a shared responsibility. Um, and that shared responsibility involves both legal liability, that involves Affordable Care Act compliance liability, that is shared between the PEO and the, and the customer, whether that's a manufacturer or whether that's a dentist's office because uh, they cover a much wider way. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, so, and, and staffing the same way. Our model is an employer of record model. So those employees that we work with come on and they become our employees um, and, and they work with us uh, as, as our employees in partnership with that customer. So we take on all that reliability. There is no – all that liability. There is no shared risk, no shared liability.
1: So in that relationship, wh- what's the what's the relationship like between your your – People that, that you're placing out with the, a given organization that, that you're doing the service for. What's the relationship like between that employee of yours mm-hmm. and the company they're actually doing the work for? Do you know uh, what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it comes up all the time. That culture of that company is intact, right? Um, so our, our, our model really reinforces that. And frankly, we think it makes it even uh, even better. Right. It allows the culture and the operations of that company to be more focused on by the folks that are responsible for that operation, the manufacturer or the 3PL, to really mm-hmm. focus on that operation, help build the culture. Uh, they're creating a better working environment for those employees, while on the backside of that partnership, we're working to create a better environment for their employment side. Right, We're providing better training, uh, better safety, uh, better maybe 401k plans, maybe better health care, all those things that those employees can't necessarily get on their own. And meanwhile, we're putting on top of that, again, we're taking away that risk and liability, which can be a, a huge cost uh, p- potential for that company uh, for, if they were going to do it on their own. So I think it's a win-win-win across the board for the employee, for the customer, uh, and also for us.
1: And, and in the staffing model that you've mentioned, mm-hmm. that tends to be, from what I understand, I've done staffing in the healthcare sector with sure. physicians and nursing and so forth, and those tend to be, more often than not, either by a shift – Mm-hmm. Or by a week or a month, um, and not so much very often. The last thing they want is for you to be there for two years. Yeah, you know, um, well, that's we do, and that's what yeah, I was going to say. That that that's a that's a distinguishing model uh, a piece between the two models that mm-hmm. we're talking about here. So, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to clear it up because when you think about staffing, as you mentioned before we went on the air. A staffing, a temporary staffing company, the, the, the cost of that, the premium, if you will, that sure. you pay to have that employee there is far greater than what you're talking about. In this kind, kind of relationship, it's, it's dramatically less.
0: Yeah, that's very true. So, staffing model, if you need, I say this to customers and prospects all the time, if you need 30 guys for 30 days to help you through the Christmas rush, we don't do that. Um, the companies, and stav- there is a place for that, and there is a need for that, that surge of employment. Um, to be for, for staffing companies to offer that, they've got to get their margin on the front end, which means that typical staffing arrangements have a, a much higher billing factor, as we would call it got in it. the industry. Um, our, our relationship is long-term. Many of our customers have been with us from our inception in 10 years. Uh, we can spread that cost in a partnership model much further, uh, and our rates are much lower. Um, and we bring a lot more cost-benefit ROI, again, from the risk and liability, and from the training and quality point of view that we can add to that and spread it out. So our our rates are much lower uh, for the most part.
1: So when does it make sense for me to go with a model like you're talking about where I outsource my human capital management side of my logistics business versus keeping them myself and I'm I'm employing them? If, if I'm a massive company, um, like a say just Coca-Cola, they, sure. they're a global company with a huge infrastructure aimed at logistics. Sure. Sure. Um, how much do would a company like that? employ the people, the drivers, versus going with you? And, and when would it make sense to be...
0: Well, yeah, let me answer that, it this right? way. I, I could give you a flip answer and say, well, if you like churning through employees all the time, then uh, we're probably not the model for you, because uh-huh. uh, we won't have long-term relationships with our employees as well as with our customers. I, I think you know our, our customers range from uh, a single person with a truck um, to large corporations okay. that, that have multiple trucks. And and, and also, I would add, you know, while well, 850 employees we have, about 75% are commercial truck drivers, huge pain there uh, in the industry, 110% turnover rate, very difficult to find and even harder to keep commercial truck drivers. Is that That's just because they jump for over day. for
1: another higher rate per dollar, or per mile, rather, and that kind of stuff, strong, making them change all the time? St-
0: st- strong correlation to the construction industry and other other aspects of, of, the, of the logistics side of things, but... Um, yeah, so we we have a high, high number of commercial truck drivers in our, our employment base, but also uh, increasingly a lot of warehouse workers, dock workers. Okay, so it's across yeah, all spectrum. It's across the spectrum. If they're um,
1: handling something in the logistics chain.
0: Yeah, if they have an asset them. and they want to be able to grow and, and they're looking to do business in other organizations, or I'm sorry, in other states and other locations, uh, we can be a, a really great alternative for them to help them grow and compete.
1: Do you uh, find that they jump in and they just use a particular profile, a particular employee profile, we really only need truck drivers. We're good on the forklift. Or do they typically, your clients typically, put their workforce into this kind of relationship?
0: usually starts with truck drivers and then usually grows from there. Okay. Uh, not not all of our customers have truck drivers, but a good portion of them. That's what the pain is. But uh, yeah, it's a good, good place for them to and start.
3: Well, just to jump in real quick, I think sure. that the truck drivers and uh, and the truck driving industry, I think that's that could probably use... Uh, Keep us talking for at least another couple of radio shows, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's it's a big problem. It's definitely a big problem that the industry faces in general. Just having good truck drivers. Uh, on one hand, you have the drivers not really wanting to be be uh, continue to work uh, in the workforce, and then on the other, you have regulations closing on them. And then you of course have the younger guys that just don't want to be truck drivers because it's not, I guess, appealing to them at this point. So it's really it's a really uh, interesting topic to touch maybe for some other radio show.
2: I just wanted to jump in with one comment when we're talking about truck drivers. I mean, there's all sorts of different truck drivers. There's drayage drivers who are doing sort of the last mile delivery from the shipping terminal to, for example, the warehouse where out of which the goods will be distributed. The area of truck driving that's feeling the most acute pain are the long haul truck drivers, mm-hmm. the guys that are on the road for days, if not longer at a time. That's not how people want to live their life anymore. And in fact, we've got a couple of trucking companies that the procurement of workforce talent is what is driving their acquisition strategy. Another way of saying that is when they're looking to buy a company, they're not necessarily looking for more revenue. They are looking for more revenue, but they're looking for the labor force and particularly the long-haul driver. They're also growing their terminals, so where their warehouses are where stuff is stored closer to each other so that they're so that they can say in their recruiting efforts, you're not gonna have to be on the road all week. If you take this job, you'll you at most out be back. out, right. you know, one night during the week. And so there's a boomerang effect on all of the truck drivers because now the long haul drivers can find things that are more appealing to their lifestyle, positions that are more appealing to their lifestyle, the short drive, and there's just not enough drivers out there.
3: And I think that one of the reasons or one of the ways they can probably tackle this problem is something that Team One Logistics is already doing, and it's just pulling resources in. If you're Every company out there is trying to manage their own truck driving uh, force, and it will be a lot harder for them to actually schedule them correctly so that they could be on Thanksgiving when they want. So if you actually pull that truck driving force into one single company and just build some uh, alliances uh, in similar fashion as of all the other steamship lines are doing, just making sure that their equipment is utilized, then uh, then we'll probably have a better chance of uh, resolving the issue as opposed to just individual companies trying to tackle it on their own.
2: You know, this one issue is emblematic of sort of a larger movement going on in the logistics industry, which is we're in the next phase where we are – The industry is trying to find ways to be more efficient, dramatically more efficient, and I would say that's one of the big drivers of the industry. What kind of technology can make the process more efficient, Um, better use of assets, better return on assets?
0: Better use of employees. Well, and then you got to put that technology into the hands of people that know how to use it, right? So training and educating those people and and attracting – we talked about millennials, Enrique, a second ago – attracting millennials to be part of our industry is – Pick up any trade magazine; it's being talked about. We need more young folks in our industry. Uh, average age of a commercial truck driver today is fifty-five and growing. Uh, we were wow. having a very difficult time. It's part of the pain point I mentioned yeah. before. But an average age of fifty-five years old, it's hard to get and convince millennials to come into our into our industry. Logistics generally, trucking in particular. Uh, and that's what drives these turnover rates. Um, so how do we do that? And I think technology is going to be part of that answer. Uh, companies like Enrique, who, in um, fact, global logistics, who use technology in their process, come into the system and, and try to figure out and answer problems and questions that they didn't even know they had um, and help them and work through those challenges using technology, I think, is a great is a great example of companies, and, and like you said, Michael, the sort of the change in the industry as it's one of the changes we're seeing now.
2: Thank yeah, and you. Enrique is actually on the board of a local trade association, and one of your missions is—is is it not—to provide scholarships to yeah, to right. kids who are studying at various universities in their logistics departments or programs to to encourage uh, and increase.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah, it's um, Treasurer and Vice President of the Atlanta Maritime Association, and yes, one of our main goals, uh, if not the biggest uh, of them, is to raise awareness, uh, first and foremost, educate people in the logistics industry, and especially in Atlanta and in Maritime uh, Logistics, uh, and then also just support the community so we can actually start uh, bringing uh, young talent into the industry, because that's something that we really need to do, and I think one way we're doing it, at least at Vector Global Logistics, and we found that it's uh, it's been uh, working for us. It's really just trying to change the culture. And uh, by that, I mean uh, we have a results-only work environment, which basically means just take the time component out of the equation. So those kind of notions about, like, working from 8 to 5 are a little bit dated now that you have cell phones and laptops, and you can really just do work from wherever you want at whatever time you want. So we're actually pushing that kind of flexibility onto our employees. And we've been, uh, I would say that uh, our success in the industry and our success as a company right now actually is uh, uh, the uh, consequence of, of trying to change the culture and hiring younger, uh, committed, passionate, and driven individuals. And we're just basically letting them run with it. And uh, they've come with an amazing solutions for all our clients and uh they're really uh, pushing our company forward, and we're hoping that as more young people come into the industry, we'll actually they'll actually help us continue pushing the. Industry forward as well.
1: We've been talking with logistics experts, Michael Golden, Enrique Alvarez, and Paige Ziplon, uh, each of them bringing expertise from a different angle. Of course, uh, Michael from the legal side of things, uh, with his work with uh, a local firm that uh, serves that space pretty heavily. Of course, Enrique as a third party logistics company um, at Vector, and then Paige on the human side of things, helping Mm -hmm. uh, uh, these companies that are doing what uh, Enrique does uh, actually be able to do some more efficiently and more effectively with their coverage for example which you know having having someone to drive the truck is uh, is, is a big deal and talk Thank about you. talk about the impact of that Enrique when we're when we get down to where you're executing for your for your companies um, you, you shared a story earlier to give people an idea of the impact of logistics on a business and what it can mean kind uh, of share with with people because you're not just a company that's it's keeping assets moving you're, you're that you're keeping boxes on a on a liner full and, and moving of product you 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 have much more capacity as a consultant than that and you, you shared a story earlier that I think kind of gives uh, a business out there that may be thinking oh yeah we got this covered we got uh, we got great rates for our for our trucking um, and it's really hard to beat that sure. rate. talk about why that becomes a little bit less important sometimes if you actually have a, a a provider who, such as yourself who's looking at things far more strategically than what can I do uh, to get my rate down for this last mile uh, sure. for the truck?
3: Well, and one of the things that really help us at Vector is that our background is not necessarily in logistics. We come from strategy consulting, and we started the company, and we dove into logistics, and we really enjoyed the, the industry. It's an amazing industry, very complex, and it's still very... Uh, people's driven uh, industry. And so to give you an example of uh, of ways uh, of how we can add value to the companies, we're here to try to establish long-term relationships with the people we work with. I think that's one, one difference. We're here to build a relationship with someone for the next 10 years, for the next 15 years, as opposed to just trying to go out there into the market and try to win the next container. Because I think that kind of... Uh, uh, fight is fought by just offering lower rates, and yeah, so we can always get. A, we can always sure. just give them like a lower rate from China to Savannah, and we'll give them like a lower rate that is fifty dollars less than what their current provider has. But at the end of the day, we do have competitive rates. You have to have competitive rates. But at the end of the day, it's really: Are you building that relationship with that other company? Are there? Uh, are you trusting them, and do they trust you, so that you can then actually start helping them in other areas of their company? And when we think about logistics, for example, the example that I was telling you about a little bit earlier, had to do with a company that we started to work with a couple of years ago, and they shipped uh, locks from Veracruz, Mexico to Houston, Texas. And uh, we started working with them uh, because we're competitive on the price, and they actually uh, wanted to work with us at the beginning, and we started to get to know each other better. And I always kept asking them, so what else do you do once you actually get the locks into Houston? And, And to give you an idea of the process we uh, hired a trucking company down in Mexico it picked up the empty container from the container yard took it to to this uh facility see where they had all the the wooden logs they were they loaded the containers we fumigated them and we took care of every single aspect of the of that process and until shipping it putting them on the vessel shipping it to Houston unloading it hiring another trucking company that actually uh, ships the container down to the warehouse where this guys took the logs and then converted it into mulch. So they were manufacturing mulch. And um, after a couple months of working with them, the only emails that we got were, hey, Enrico, you guys are doing a great job. We enjoy working with you. Can you give me a better rate from Veracruz to Houston? I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like sure, sure, I can give you a better rate. What, what do you need? And he's like, oh, hey, this other company, a competitor of ours, uh, gave me $50 less, can you match it? Like, I'll match it, but tell me a little bit more about your company. Tell me a little bit more about what you do, because uh, if you don't understand the whole uh, supply chain, it's really hard to maximize your profits, right. uh, and you're just kind of trying to minimize the cost from point A to point B, but that's not really what logistics is all about. It really encompasses a lot larger, uh, more complex um, component, which which has to do with with staffing, with uh, people, with uh legal and with everything else. So long story short, flew down to uh, Houston to meet with this person. And I continue asking him about his company. They took the logs, they manufactured, they made the mulch. And I asked him about their warehouse. Hey, is this your warehouse? No, we're renting the warehouses. Are this machine's very complicated to move. Would it have matter if we move them? From, no, they're fine. So I asked him, so where's, what do you do with the mulch? And they're like, well, with 80% of our markets in California, we ship it to Los Angeles. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. So You're shipping 53 dry bands uh, to California, which is basically just shipping air because mulch is basically air. And uh, so I asked them, well, would it be possible to move the machines that make the mulch to California, use the other coast of Mexico to ship the logs, and then just... Uh, save a lot of money doing that, and, and we put the proposal together for them. They agreed. We saved a couple of million dollars in the process, and of course, I increased the ocean rates. But,
0: that's
3: but at strong. the end of the day, yeah. it's really about adding value. But they uh, saved the money. Right. that's yeah. a couple of million dollars a year. Yeah. Right? A year, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah, that's right.
0: right. I, you know, that's a great example. Uh, I would, I would add, just to sort of cap that up. It's the, and we we see this on the workforce side total cost of ownership whether that's right. total cost of ownership on the on the execution side like Enrique just very aptly explained it's complicated and you need to think about it big picture but if you've got your head down trying to make payroll you're trying to you know get that box out of the warehouse you're trying to deal with legal cost a and on day a uh, you know it's difficult you've got to have someone that you can bring into the mix that can help you see that bigger picture that Correct. can help you understand mm-hmm. that total cost of ownership we see it as well people think about the staffing costs as you know it's X and I only want to pay that well what about the long-term costs What about, you know, workman's comp claims or EEOC claims? They have costs associated with them, and you need a firm to focus on that. And I think that's what all three of us in the world of logistics bring to the table in in different ways.
3: And I think that's kind of like where you would be um, in the future. Companies aren't really competing against each other anymore, in my opinion. I think it's just a supply chain competing against another supply chain. So I think people either have to realize that it's just not – Coca-Cola competing against this other uh, company, it's really more about, hey, your supply chain is competing against my supply chain. And if we're not integrated enough, if we're not talking enough, if we're not really open enough, then we're just not going to be competitive. And then it will be impossible to to bring the products to the market at the price points that we need them to continue to drive the economy.
1: Now, as a, as a third-party logistics company, are you really focused mostly on the movement of the product and how and what you know, what mode it goes, what route it takes, that kind of stuff, more than things that deal with, say, the I guess the inventory end of things. You're you're really more focused on getting it to where you're telling me you need it, right?
3: Correct. But so to give you a little bit of better idea of my company and my company in particular, Vector Global Logistics, uh, eighty percent of our revenues come from ocean freight. It could be either project or it could be containerized cargo. Uh, the other 20% is domestic trucking, uh, air, shipment, warehousing, some inventory management. But, yeah, our main kind of uh, uh, component of what we do is really uh, on the ocean freight, both import and export.
1: I see. Yeah, I, I find the, the the discussion about logistics very interesting, and, and it's one of those things that, if done poorly, just like you said, I mean, there's uh, seven figures. I mean, what does that mean for that business to have $2 million Dollars more on the bottom line this year than they had last year, just because they made that one simple change. I mean, two million dollars. I, I, I mean, I mean seriously, a, That's a international two million language. here, two million there. Pretty. I are mean, talking in, in, in some real f- money. Yeah. In, in <laughs> all
3: fairness, it's hard, right? It's hard to realize as a consultant. I know this because I, you go to different companies, and it's not that. It's not rocket science. I mean, it's really not. It had Logistics has a lot to do with planning and, for me, a lot to do with uh, communication. You have to over-communicate with everyone. You have to make sure that you have a plan and you have to just go and try to execute it. But at the end of the day, uh, it's not going to be perfect because uh, still, there's still thing too many moving parts out there. You're still relying on good people. You're still relying on a truck driver not being sick the day that you needed him to be uh, healthy. So uh, at the end of the day, it really comes back to... Um, just making sure that you're partnering with good people, uh, that you're partnering with people that care, and that you you make sure that the culture of the companies that you're working with are similar to the cultures of your company, because I think that's when you start to, to be successful.
2: Uh, let me answer that question from a slightly different perspective, and it's an area that I practice in, which is mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. Frequently when companies are sold, part of the methodology that a buyer will look at in valuing a company is some kind of multiplier applied to the earnings of the company. Mm-hmm. If you take two million dollars out of the expense column and let it drop down to the bottom line and then you say, mm-hmm. well, that distribution company should chain should should uh, sell it five times its earnings that's ten million dollars of value that point. is created in Correct. the company. I mean, that's stunning.
3: Mm-hmm. It's and, and, and we're talking about this before we actually started the show, but I think it has to do. It's it's hard for companies, in, in every company, uh, if you're trying to operate on a daily basis, it's actually hard for that same company to realize some of the things that they should be doing because they're too occupied or, mm-hmm. or or focused on different things. And that's why companies like Team One Logistics comes handy, or companies like Vector Global Logistics come handy because you're letting. Companies that are just focused on the logistics or just 3PLs handle the things that they do best, and you can actually then go back to see and do the things that you do best as well. Yeah.
2: I, I want to make a quick observation, and, and that is we live in a very complicated world. It's not a complicated sure. country. It's a complicated world. Mm-hmm. And when, if you look at a product that you buy every day, whether it's food stuff, clothing, or the likelihood, the number of hands – that have had to touch that product. It is almost impossible for any medium sized business or smaller to house the level of expertise that is needed to navigate that channel. Even the biggest company in the United States, Walmart, outsources a component of their logistics.
3: Yeah, they have like, what, 50, yeah, 53,
0: 50 plus 30 plus PLs, PLs they that they use on their business.
1: Okay, uh, it's and and I just find it very interesting to to see the huge financial impact. What is just I'll throw it out to the group. What is what is time? I mean, because I mean that's one of the things that that I keep hearing here is time being one of the big things that uh, if you're an expert uh, logistics person, then you can save somebody a lot of time. You can get it from A to B very quickly, um, and you can get a whole lot of it. For not not so much per item, right? oh, well,
0: well known time is money, right? Yeah. That's...
1: And and how do how do you evaluate that? How, how much how, how do you determine? You, you talked about um, uh, we were talking earlier about the a company that had uh, shipments that were going from China to Mexico, and it was taking them 30, 35 right, like days a, versus fifteen days. How, how much? How much?
3: Big how, big toy manufacturer that we started working with on in Mexico and. Uh, they were minimizing their ocean freight, so they were doing a really good job at doing that. But by doing that, The cost. The cost yeah. itself of the f- ocean freight. Uh, and they were doing a really good job at that because they had amazingly low rates with all the steamship lines. Uh, however, when asked, well, uh, the transit time that takes from China to Mexico should probably be uh, half of what you're currently having. And as has anyone factored in the cost of carrying that inventory? And, and surprisingly, no one had actually factored that uh component to the equation. And again, as Michael said, it's just very complex. And I think that the only way that we can do this work is if you just work together. And we're just a little bit more open to to get help when when it's needed. And, And that way, you just make sure that your supply chain competes against other supply chains effectively. And think, it's, you,
0: go but, ahead. No, I was going to say, many business people, and this is true outside of logistics as well for sure, business people think tactically, right? They've right. got tactical things, they get up every day, they've got to-do lists, they've got to get work done. It's very difficult for them to think strategically. Unfortunately, those companies, especially small companies, get a random statistic, but 81% of the trucking companies in Georgia had less than five employees. That tacticalness and strategy means different things to those companies. But that strategy involves moving the product, sure, and thinking big picture on that total cost of ownership of your of your workforce or of your execution but also on the legal side the strategy of understanding what some of those things are there's no way as michael said uh, how they could how they could have the legal expertise or or logistics expertise in house to handle the challenges that they have now let alone the kind of challenges they're going to have as they grow and compete in its global economy
1: and and as we were talking earlier and then course through the course of our discussion now it sounds like there's a lot of times where an enterprise is unaware of opportunities. They you know, for example, you Enrique you described earlier the the company was saying, "Hey man, can you save me $50 per Mm-hmm. per on this leg of the trip. Yeah, container. And um, and so they're really focused on one particular item. And as you say, that's a tactical thought. Mm-hmm. This other guy's going to give me $50 less. Can you match that? I'm going to save money. Sounds like a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than the overall maybe, – maybe that route was arbitrarily chosen at some point, or maybe the reason why it was chosen to go to Houston instead of going a different way yeah. was for a reason that's now outmoded. How do you – how do you help that um, business owner out there? Um, You know, Michael, you talked about uh, a business owner who was doing their accounting in a particular way that was really dramatically affecting them. So how do you, there's got to be an effective open to say, yes, I'm a third party logistician or, you know, we're, we're an attorney, but um, this is how we're strategically, we want to help you. I don't
3: think there's any kind of shortcuts to that I think You just have to, take the time to get to know the other company and just take the time to listen. And I think that the main thing that you got to do and uh, have that mentality of building a long-term relationship and trying to make sure that you put, like, a long-term solution in place as opposed to just trying to maximize your short-term gains. Uh, unfortunately, I feel like uh, in this world, everything's pretty short-term satisfaction-driven. But uh, but I think it's just, hey, take the time.
0: Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Michael, you see yeah, companies yeah. like that That's all the right. time.
2: Well. <clears throat> Absolutely. And what I would say is, in the same way that you as an individual or as an individual don't like going into a store and being upsold, a lot of business owners feel like they know what they want, they know their business better than their advisors do, and Mm -hmm. so they're reluctant to open the kimono and talk about other things because they think they're just going to be sold stuff or services that they don't need. And what you proved, Enrique, in your example is... The persistence in just saying, look, I just want to learn about your business. I'm not here to sell you anything. Luckily for that client, he found out that he added a couple of million dollars of found revenue at the end of the year.
0: It requires trust.
2: Requires yeah. trust. And trust can't be... The internet has not increased the speed <laughs> for developing trust. Speed trust. That just yeah. takes time. <laughs> yeah. Um, the story that you alluded to earlier... Um, Bo introduced me to a client. Bo's a advisor to privately held mm-hmm. and particularly family businesses focused on succession planning. And he introduced me to a young man who was one of four partners in a partially family owned business. And um, Bo suggested that I meet with him to discuss succession planning in a family business. And when I met this young man, and the business was a warehouse services business. The young man told me how well his business was doing, and he was paying huge dividends every year to everybody. And what he needed really was some kind of credit facility alone to finance future growth. So I started asking him questions about his business. Did he have audited financials? Who was his auditor? Some general basic questions. And I'll fast forward to the end of the story. It turned out that he was – He was maintaining his books on a cash basis. So from an accounting perspective, he wasn't recording liabilities. Liabilities are things that you owe to someone tomorrow. And I urged him that he should hire a CFO to convert his books from a cash basis to an accrual basis because any lender would require that in order to underwrite and loan the business the amount of money that he wanted to borrow. And after going through that conversion process, he found out that actually his business wasn't – it was barely profitable. And he was paying out so much in dividends every year that he didn't have the growth capital that he needed. He knew intuitively that he didn't have the money he needed to grow because that's why he wanted to go borrow it. But he didn't understand why he didn't have the money. And everything that I just described, it, it was only about two hours of legal work. It was a lot of other uh, finance, accounting, and advisory services that someone else provided. Um, what Bo enabled that client to do was to meet somebody else who was going to take a look at it from a different perspective. And yeah. um, What's anyway, that focus story. we talked about? Yeah. Right. So, so then they were able agencies. to maybe
1: develop more of a compensation plan that kept the business – More profitable? Were they able to get get legal contract? Right. I mean,
0: it's not
1: right.
2: At the end of the day, they went back and looked at their partnership agreement. I said, "Why are Uh, you paying out ninety percent of your profits every year?" Well, why are we doing that? Oh, it's in the partnership agreement. Well, who put that in there? Well, that was put in five years ago. Well. That's killing, you know, that's killing, killing your business. Yeah. You can't grow with that. Those
0: words matter, right? Those <laughs> words matter.
1: <laughs> what are some other challenges that uh, that someone from the legal side of things that you might end up tackling in the logistics
0: space? Now, ACA compliance, you talk about that. Here for- yeah. Uh,
2: you know, I mean, all businesses are service businesses, even if you're selling a widget. Mm. But particularly in logistics, it's a service business. Even if you're delivering that service through a tangible asset, and that takes people. And um, a lot of those businesses are low margin, and historically those businesses in some cases have operated on an independent contractor model. So there are trucking companies out there that have truck drivers who are not really employees. The truck drivers are almost like franchisees. They are owner-operators of their their rigs. The problem is that in many cases – the legal relationship that is documented between that truck driver and the trucking company doesn't meet the federal test for an uh, an independent contractor. So they're really an employee. They're really an employee. They just, really an employee yeah, trying to save
1: statutory, yeah. you know, they don't have to pay payroll like that,
2: taxes. Yeah. They don't have to provide health insurance. Right. And what's going to happen as the as we discussed earlier in a year, all of those companies are going to become under the scrutiny of the Internal Revenue Service uh, with respect—greater scrutiny than they already are with respect to are those workers properly classified. I would say the conversation we're having right now is one that I have with three out of four new clients, and it's a subject that they want to discuss and understand. Okay, so so they're
1: actually beginning to realize that maybe we have to rethink this— independent contractor versus W-2 employee relationship. They
2: are realizing it. Sometimes we have to urge them to have the conversation, but they are willing to listen to it.
0: And sometimes, again, they don't know what they don't know. It's worked for years. They haven't sat down with someone like Michael to understand what the legal ramifications are. Not just today's legal ramifications, but what's coming down the pipe. Frankly, more importantly, you know what are, what's going to happen in January of 2016? You need an expert like Michael and Arnold Gregory to be able to explain that to you. And, and then you've got execution partners like us on the work Side and and Enrique on the on the, the physical side of moving that product around. Uh, that can help you make it all happen
1: I'm kind of curious since there is a, a good bit of don't know what we don't know <laughs> happening out in this in the space it's it's That's true a changing for, world right yeah, it's I mean, true it's... For, for 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 you know just about any vertical I suppose but I mean it sounds like given the scale that we're talking about when we started looking at logistics for example particularly for larger um, uh, enterprises it can have huge sweeping financial uh, impacts on it but I'm curious how each of you goes about letting those businesses out there that need you know that you're here that they need you i mean clearly coming here and we're we're talking about it and sure. so there's going to be some content out here that we can share and and that's going to reach some people no question about it but in yeah, when you're not here on the radio how are you how are you reaching out to say hey have you thought about this and such have you have you looked at uh, your your contractor relationships those types of things how does that happen or is it just referrals or somebody finds you by the yellow pages
2: well i'll speak for myself Page created the Georgia Logistics Summit several years ago. We were, a, we are, and have been a sponsor of that. And as a result, we've been invited to to participate from the lectern, if you will, mm-hmm. and um, speak on timely topics. We're also involved in a lot of different trade associations. Mm-hmm. And then, lastly, and this is somewhat passively, but we publish and you know we put out blur uh, alerts. Um, publish in periodicals, and then our website becomes a repository for all of that information. Okay. So if someone goes to so our website, marketing kind of stuff, exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. I
4: think one of the things Arnold Golden and Gregory recently did, which was great, very hands on, was a visit to the port. That's right, yeah, that's great. Which was they loaded up, you know, the thirty or forty of us, and took us down there, and we, you know, had a meeting with the powers that be, got to see the physical site and talk about the the impact on the economy of Georgia it's in yeah. in, in the in the southeast it's huge yeah, i think you know that logistics. helps a lot too
3: yeah sure. I mean, that was a that was a great event that they put together and i think it just helps a lot because you find out over and over like uh logistic managers that never been to the port so it, it just just doesn't make it real until you actually see those big cranes taking the containers and putting them on the vessels and it just you get a a completely different appreciation of what you do which hopefully, uh, I guess, will will help also bring more young people into the industry. If They actually knew what happens what it's all behind, about. right? I think that they'll be entitled.
0: Yeah, I, I use the word ecosystem a lot, and it's it's very true for a lot of businesses, but certainly for logistics. We've talked about a lot of moving parts from ocean to air to ground to all the different things that make up logistics. And many of your listeners sort of know some of that. You know, they they expect to go to the grocery store and see milk on the shelves. It requires logistics to make that happen. But the collaboration, as you really talked about before, the collaboration to make that actually work um, is key. And I think in our industry in logistics, whether it's from a legal perspective, 3PL or workforce, that collaboration is alive and well. I think it's a very deep relationship business. That's true for a lot of industry verticals. Uh, but so I think you know having those relationships and and expressing what your expertise is through publishing, uh, through networking, through Uh, the Atlanta Maritime Association and the other associations that are alive and well in our industry. I I think we see a lot more of that and that collaboration and that networking happening with true business partnerships, because there is such a way for them all to fit together. Uh, There's a way for air cargo to fit in with the ports and, uh, and those things sort of stick together. Well, more so than maybe in a a more uh, vertical kind of industry.
1: What, what are, we got a couple of minutes left. What are our, our final thoughts that we want to try to leave somebody with that maybe we might, uh, uh, a question they, they might ask about their own business to, to see if there's not some opportunities that might surface themselves to themselves because they hadn't thought about it, um, or whatever the case may be, just a, a quick minute or two, um, yeah, leave I, us with a point that folks need to think about.
0: I think maybe just to start off, the big picture is is very important, right? The, the being able to think outside the box, to use an overused uh, of cliche, but um To be able to think of that total cost of ownership, whether you're a a physical mover of product, whether you're a service provider, being able to think uh, and and reach out to people that have the expertise in slices that you don't, right? So if you're a a logistics company, uh, think about what are some of the things that you're hearing in trade publications, and then reach out to people that can help you think strategically on those things that are really impacting your business. You're going to be focused tactically. Think about that total cost of ownership of the different parts of your business. And then reach out to people that have that expertise. Go have a cup of coffee and see how you can work together. I so, think is a- so
1: when I sit down with you, I make that call. Sure. And I sit down with you. Are you able to say, this? T- tell me a, a little bit about your business? And as you start to get some of the numbers, you're actually able to say, sure. looking at this, I can see where you might actually be able to save some costs, uh, mitigate some risk, those types of things. You can have That's that exactly right. come out of that conversation.
0: And because of our focus, and this is true for Michael and Enrique, because of our focus, uh, we could do that pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Because we're not talking about a thousand different things. We're talking about workforce. If you sit down with me, um, I can dive in, and and those things become very apparent to me very quickly because of our focus and expertise in that sector.
1: How about you, Enrique.
3: Well, on top of just being a little bit more strategic and thinking about the big picture, which is something that Paige already mentioned, I think that the uh, one thing I would leave you guys with is just uh, the culture. For me, it's very important to just work with people that share your values, share your passions, share the same culture. And I think that's, that's really going to be critical going forward because at the end of the day, you end, you work better and you're more, more successful if you're working with people that share your, your, your culture at least. And uh, so if you try to, if you don't have a, a your values or a mission for your company and if you don't have like a like a culture just try to try to think about that and then uh, use that criteria to to assess the different suppliers that you're currently working with and if uh, if they're a match then that's great because then you'll regardless of what's going on and logistics is one of those industries that there's always going to be something wrong I mean there's it's <laughs> just Part of, it's part of what we do. It's it's just really fixing problems, fixing mistakes, and doing it on a daily basis. So it's it's not easy. It's hard. So you want to work with people that at least know that they're 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 caring for you and they're true partners. And that has to do a lot with the the culture more than anything else.
1: Well, it sounds like if all I'm talking to you about is the the cost per mile, the cost per box, et cetera, et cetera, being better than the other guy, that it sounds like they may be leaving some opportunities on the table elsewhere, beyond just the that direct cost right there on that. Uh, big picture the per right? crate kind of cost right. for yeah. just as you talked about the company that saved seven figures a year mm-hmm.
2: i'll echo what these two guys just said i'll say it a little bit differently and from a slightly different perspective and that is it's important in growing your business over time that you build a team of trusted advisors around you mm-hmm. and They may not know the answer to everything, but they can support you. It takes a while to build trust. If you do what I have seen other clients do, which is you're the entrepreneur, you've always done it your own way and you've been successful, there will come a point in time in your business cycle where an issue will come up and you'll want outside advice or counsel, and that doesn't mean legal. It could be accounting, it could be workforce management, it could be logistics. But when you don't have that embedded already constructed group of advisors or advisor behind you, you can't go find them in a time of crisis. And what it's I've seen is cli- yeah, what I've seen is clients, what they try to do is triangulate off of information from a bunch of people so they'll yep. talk to me and then they'll talk to another lawyer and they'll talk to another lawyer and then they've got too much information and all three answers may be right <laughs> but one may be a one answer may be a better fit for that client. Gotcha. But yeah. you need someone to understand your business and that's what Enrique talked about earlier. He makes money by selling freight, but to get the most value out of your relationship with me, Paige or Enrique, open up the doors and on our so nickel. This is we, my business. Yeah, right right, we'll do it on our nickel. We're I not looking you. to charge for that time. We right. want where, to, do, exactly. where do I link
1: up with, with everybody here? Uh, Through
2: my phone number or website. Go ahead. 404 873 8766. And I'll give you my short email mg at agg.com. Okay.
3: Yeah, for us, it will be through our webpage at www.vectorgl.com, or you guys can reach me also at my phone number, which is 404-554-1150. My email address is enrique, E-N-R-I-Q-U-E, dot .alvarez, A-L-V-A-R-E-Z, at vectorgl.com.
0: Sure, and for Team One Logistics, it's just Team One Logistics all spelled out, .com. Uh, and our phone number there is 770-232-9902. And all of our contact information is there.
1: Well, it's been a fast hour. It always is when we get to talking to some of these experts here. Bo Wilkins from Sound River Advisors. Man, I appreciate you coming by. Link up with Sound River Advisors at soundriver.com. That's it. Yep, and uh, if you haven't done so already, Midtown BRX. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Midtown BRX. We link in with all of our guests' social media there, so you can get tied into their feeds and uh, link in with them. You can look me up on uh, on LinkedIn as well. I'm more than happy to connect with anybody who reaches out. Um, Thanks for all of you, fellas. Uh, Thanks for, t- uh, for taking it's some time. Fine. It's been uh, it's been certainly interesting, Thank and you for and uh, and I we learned a lot. So uh, to out there, the folks out there listening who took some time to get to know our guests today, we really appreciate you. We hope you turn around and share it with somebody that you know, because chances are very good that you are going to end up helping somebody that you care about. So uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. See you then.